Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. This is Mavs Sports Take, episode 23 here. Ryan Roberts, director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible, and Mr. David Turner, who is the president and CEO, I don't know if you're CEO, of MaverickSportsConsulting.com, as well as a former NFL scout for 18 years, also in the CFL, Arena League. David's been everywhere in the evaluation, in front offices. This is your weekly sports podcast. Not just the the, the normal scope, right? We're not going to talk about wins. We're not just going to talk about losses. We're not just going to talk about hirings. We're going to give you the inside info. We're going to go from a business perspective. We're going to give you everything, the full scope. So far in 2021, we have seen several head coaches and general managers fired already. The Philadelphia Eagles just had the opening now. Doug Peterson let go yesterday. We see players talking about the Texans like Andre Johnson, Deshaun Watson, and the madness that is happening down there um, after Nick Casario is now the general manager, still looking for their next head coach. Tonight, we're going to dive into these topics and more. Also, don't miss a ba- uh, don't miss a beat on Mavs Sports Take on Friday. We are hosting a live interview with KCTV's own Danny Welniak. Danny joined the KCTV news team in June 2016 as a sport anchor and reporter. Danny played women's professional football for the Dallas Diamonds at wide receiver and running back for five seasons. She was a captain, three-time pro bowler, and 2008 Super Bowl champ. Now she covers the Kansas City Chiefs, so we'll be live with her at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Friday to talk playoff football with her. So make sure you tune in there. And next week, we have another exciting interview. We're going to be bringing on Mr. Josh Johnson, former quarterback, and we're going to uh, take a look at some other professional aspirations he has outside of just the general state of football. So make sure that you tune in for a couple of those things. Before we go, before we get into this, We are here at Maverick Sports Consulting, and we would like to invite you to subscribe to the new NFL Draft Bible Twitch channel, which we are going live from right now, as well as Twitter and YouTube. So check out our new Twitch channel. There you can find a multitude of unique Draft Bible content and special reports. You can't access it without a subscription, so head over to Twitch today and subscribe. Me and David are going to be doing some – we're going to be doing some – live film sessions. We're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff, so make sure to check us out on Twitch. It's going to be a really fun time. We appreciate you all for being with us tonight. As always, live here, if there's any questions at all that you would like to throw at us, live here, again, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Throw them out. Facebook, baby. We're on my Facebook. (laughs) Get it? And we have our first we have our first guest of the night. Jack says, didn't know Ryan could get any cooler until he put on a backwards hat. I know, man. The coolness just never stops around <laughs> here. And it is, I don't know if you can read that if you are live with us now. It is Mav 
sports hat. Blaine, so the new Blaine. Mav gear, new Mav gear. New Mav gear, Christmas gift from Mr. David Turner. So, again, we appreciate you, Jeff. We appreciate everybody else. If you want, again, throw some questions at us. We actually had a lot of awesome mailbag questions that uh, really relays to what we're talking about tonight because we're going to be talking about general manager openings. We're going to talk about head coaching openings. We're going to be talking about who could be filling those openings. So a lot of great questions that we're just going to work directly into the conversation. So appreciate the mailbag questions for tonight. If there were anything that didn't pertain to the head coaching or general manager um, decisions that are going to be made, we're going to touch base on that probably closer to the end of the show. So without further ado, our first take, we're going to talk about some general manager openings. Okay, We're going to talk about the latest buzz around some of these openings and maybe who we think are the front runners and who should be the front runners if they aren't. So we're going to start right here. I'm a backwards hat type of guy. I, I am. You are. Absolutely. I, can't, I can't pull off the hat in the front. I don't know why the brim doesn't look good. <laughs> like it, I, I appreciate you, Mike. That I, I, that, thank you so much for, for noticing talent. Okay. Not everyone can pull it off this way. I Mike, please stop. Stop with him, Mike. Stop enough. Enough. <laughs> Okay, I have to calm him down and get the ego calmed down enough. Slow down in the comment room on the backwards hat stuff. Slow it down. <laughs> A world that David Turner is very familiar with. General manager openings here. So I know, David, you have some personal friends that are up for some of these jobs. So that's I know it's going to be a great conversation. We want to start with the Denver Broncos. where are a couple guys that are rumored for this general manager position. Include guys like George Patton. Uh, Peyton. Is it Peyton or Patton? I was Peyton. Peyton, George Peyton, or Terry Fontenot um, are a couple of the guys. And we had a link here where I was taking a look at some of the other general managers that were up for the Denver Broncos side of everything. I noticed a couple other guys. So like Terry Fontenot was already, they completed the interview. Champ Kelly had an interview with them. George Patton, like I just said, Ryan Stark and Dave Ziegler. Patton, I know that you're very familiar with David. Of course, he's the Vikings assistant general manager and VP of player personnel. Terry, who I just mentioned, was is the Saints VP and assistant general manager. So what is your general thoughts on this to start out here, David? Do you think, because I know you've been cla clamoring for George to get an opportunity, do you think that he has a fair shake? And should he have the maybe the inside track to this position? Well, you know, who I thought was the inside track was Champ Kelly. Because Champ worked with the head coach in Chicago, and he had been in Denver before, so he knows the whole staff. The other part about Champ is that he's well-liked by the staff already that's in existence there in Denver. When I called up to Denver, when I saw this move happen, I called a couple of my buddies that are in that building, and they were they're rooting for Champ. They were rooting for Champ to come in. They thought that would be an incredible opportunity to get him back. They, did, they didn't like him leaving the building. So I was like, wow, here's a win-win for that organization. You got somebody who knows the coach, knows John, knows the staff. Maybe it would limit the number of firings and adjustments that he would want to make on the staff, helping the organization stay, save some cash, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, this is cool. Like that would be the way to go. And I know champ, champ a little bit. He's always been really respectful, very like eye, good eye contact, great handshake when you meet him. you know, great personality. So I was just like, wow, I don't know him well, but what I do know of him, everybody seems to be in favor of champ. So I thought that was the inside road. I thought that was going to be the easy hire. And now I saw them open up the opportunity to George and Terry and a few other people. And I was like, wow, okay, they're doing their due diligence. 
but it's still going to be champ, you know? Uh, and then it was just like, and then I saw the, the second interview names come out where it was Terry and George. And here's where I think the NFL is a little messed up right now. And I understand that there's protocol and stuff for the pandemic, but because George isn't in a playoff hunt, he's able to go do an in-person interview. And that gives him a bit of an advantage. A, he can be hired right now, which is an advantage no matter what. But B, it's he can go shake hands, kiss babies, and do all the politicking in the building. You know what I mean? And let people get eyes on him. Whereas Terry's got to do everything from a Zoom call because he's, you know, his team's winning and they're in the playoffs and they just they're advancing out to the divisional round. So I thought that was one area where I thought the NFL could have said, hey, only Zoom interviews right now, or like, you know, I'm a big proponent of a two-week hiring freeze after the season, so therefore everybody gets an opportunity. I will say this, by the first round of interviews being Zoom interviews, we have seen a greater number of candidates get interviewed, which is awesome. At least there's been some introductory exposure to a greater number of candidates versus what we had seen in the past when people have to fly around and stuff that doesn't happen. So this was this so far. I think we can mark it up as a win. Um, I think George has a very good shot of landing this, and the interviews that Terry's been on. I mean, look at this. Terry, I want to say, is up for four general managers jobs, and I heard he's a finalist in Atlanta. It's either him or Rick Smith. Uh, here, he's a finalist, and I think he's a finalist in Jacksonville as well. So, you know, out of four of the six openings, this man is, is been, is been up for the job and now he's made three finalists. Like it's going to be, you know, so I really hope, I don't know him well. I've met him, like I said, to say hi, but I, I mean, if you're up to for four jobs, I'm hoping I'm rooting that you land one of them, you know what I mean? And get in there. But obviously my pom-poms are really out for George. He's been waiting a long time to get an opportunity and, I think this would be a good opportunity in Denver that, you know, where they seem to be patient with their GMs, patient with their personnel people, and he can go there and maybe have a good five, ten, five to six years to turn it around, make it, make it a winning, consistent winning team. And it's in a division that besides Kansas City, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you, you really can beat the other team. I mean, San Diego's got a young quarterback, or I'm sorry, the Chargers, LA Chargers, have got a young quarterback. Uh, you know, I think the Raiders, if things don't work out well next year, there's going to be change over there, and it's playoff or bust down there, so they could have an organization down there that's really uh, unstable at that point, right? And that, and then them. So this is a, this is a team that really has a chance. It's a good division to win to turn it around in too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we talked a lot about them, David. Like, I'm, if they get the quarterback position right, I feel like Devers right there, man, because they got some young pass catchers, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Their offensive line had a big, you know, a big upgrade this year, you know, just with their play. Like, Garrett Bowles looked like a busted left tackle, and he had one of the better seasons of any left tackle in the NFL. That, that defense is going to have. Uh, a guy like Von Miller coming back next year. Alexander Johnson's been a pleasant surprise at linebacker. They can get Justin Simmons back at safety. Then, like, you're looking at it. There's a lot of building blocks, man. So if I'm a general manager, not only am I thinking, like, long-term outlook looks pretty good, but I, that could potentially be a short turnaround if you get the quarterback position right as well. You know? Well, and as a family man and everything that George and some of these guys are, Denver's a great place to live. 
you know, right. it, it's a great place to live. So when you when you start looking at the older GMs that are been waiting for their opportunity, and George isn't that old. I mean, I think he's just and is still in his forties. So you know, but it's it's a situation where you you look at that kind of stuff. You're like, can I be here five, 10 years and watch my kids grow up here? You know, is it that kind of environment? And I think Denver is it's attractive for that reason for a lot of these candidates. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to move to the next team. I've noticed something, David, I don't know if there's anything to this or I'm just a weirdo that notices like some strange like things sometimes. I don't know. So I'm looking at these general manager openings and it seems like almost a split. There is either a very small list of candidates or there was a really big list. Like it didn't seem like there was any in between. I don't just a weird pattern. I was noticing, like I, I was expecting maybe a little more balance of like how many people might be in interview. Like I saw a lot of similar names, but it seems like either people may be focused in on a very short list of, of candidates or they are doing their complete homework over guys. And if you can see me live right now, you know, I have a big, I'm, I am, I am, I am symbolizing a big list right now. So just a weird observation I had there. Moving on. No, you're right. They even they either dived in and had like four or five guys, and they you know they already had their lead dog in, in that category or in that list, or they're they're doing a big list. And you know, um, you know, I think Atlanta was one of those teams that interviewed at six or seven guys, if I if I remember correctly, and and then now they're down to uh, I think like I said earlier, I think it's the lead dogs are Rick Smith and or Terry Fontenot. Um, Brad Holmes, you have on here. Is he coming back in? Is he going back in for another interview? It looks like so. From this list, guys that have interviewed for the position: Morocco Brown, Colts director of college scouting, who we've talked about a little bit before; Terry Fontenot, who we just spoke about, finalist Saints VP of and assistant general manager. We have Brad Holmes, who sneaky candidate, Rams director of college scouting under Les Snead over there in LA now. Anthony Robinson, who's the Falcons director of college scouting, and Rick Smith, who is a former Texans GM, obviously. So the finalists, according to this list, are Terry Fontenot and Brad Holmes. Now, I don't know if this is not updated. Like maybe Rick Smith is one as well. But from the from this list that we currently have, and it looks like it's been updated somewhat recently, it might be a Fontenot versus Brad Holmes. And I haven't heard anybody talk about Brad Holmes, David. And I know. Like, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, right? Like, all I all I can tell you is what his title was and where he's been, what's his experience is looking like. But I will say this. As a Rams fan and supporter, I have always been really impressed by what Les Snead puts out for the Rams. You know, they were counted out this year, and they're kind of winning with two two – they're winning with two very good players, two superstars on defense, and a bunch of, like, no-name kind of guys, right? And then offensively, they haven't been up to par with what they usually have been. For a um, for a Sean McVay type of team, but he's kind of putting some some like you know I don't want to call it like deserted deserted toys right like they're they're not like thrown to the <laughs> side, but like he's he's winning with guys like Jordan Fuller at safety who was a sixth round pick out of Ohio State and uh, Troy Hill who I think was an undrafted free agent and Darius Williams who was definitely an undrafted free agent who had one of the best plays last year pick it I mean last week picking off the screen thrown to DK Metcalf and taking it for six. Like the Island of Misfit toys to a degree defensively outside of Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And now I have somebody that's been under his tutelage now for a couple of years and obviously has a high ranking position in their scouting department. I feel like that's a sneaky person, man, that maybe we need to start paying attention to here. See, I don't know, Brad, and I'm not, I'm not trying to throw any kind of shade before the Twitter verse gets on me, but <laughs> 
But I don't think the Rams are a good drafting team. I think a couple years ago they I went. I disagree. I think a couple years ago they traded a lot of draft picks away and they got lucky. They took the run when they brought when they brought in all these former first rounders. So there wasn't much to do there. And I think Les does a great job of filling in the gaps like a pro personnel guy would with some guys that might be, you know, misfit toys from other teams and brings them over and they plan out and they work well and they know the scheme there. My thing is, I think they hit on a few draft picks, but they don't, they don't, to me, I don't get wowed from their drafts. It's not something when I, when we ended our draft show last year, I didn't look at the Rams draft and go, Hmm, okay. All right. Uh, And like I did with a few other teams, a few other teams, I was really impressed with, you know, and we talked a lot about them post-draft shows. But the Rams was just – it was solid. It was a solid B. It wasn't like an A. It wasn't blown away. It was a solid B, maybe even B- minus for me. So that's why I'm saying I was surprised by this one, not not because of who the man is. The man might be dynamic. I don't know him at all. But just because I'm – personally, when I'm looking at the Rams roster and their drafts, I'm not blown away by their drafts. That's all. I got you. I got you. I'm just looking at, like – so the Rams have traded away a bunch of first-round picks. You know, the Jalen Ramsey trade, the Jared Goff trade going back. But I feel like like the nucleus of this team, like Aaron Donald was obviously like, how did that guy last at the 13th overall pick? We know it's because he's an outlier in size and all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. But like right now, their best offensive players, like Robert Woods was an acquisition for, through free agency from Buffalo, so he doesn't count. But Cooper Cup, fourth-round pick. Cam Akers was their first pick, second-round second pick. They have Tyler Higby, their starting tight end, was a fourth-round pick. They have um, their starting right tackle was a second-round pick. Like, a lot of the guys that are main contributors to them are guys they brought in. And even like Darius Williams, Troy Hill, like these guys in the secondary right now where they are matching guys, being able to play man-to-man across the board and absolutely matching every team defensively. That is, like, like their biggest thing because they don't have a star – pass rusher outside of Aaron Donald. They have Aaron Donald and a bunch of misfit toys, actually. Morgan Fox showed up last week. Great he game. He did show up last week. Yeah, he had yep. a good game. Yep. They, they, so they they have these guys that step into nice roles because, hey, at, at a point, right, like they're going to get one-on-one matchups play with Aaron Donald. But that secondary that everybody's talking about right now, that one that is just shutting people down, you know, causing turnovers. We're talking about Jalen Ramsey, who's a, who is a trade acquisition, so he doesn't count. But when you're talking about the ability to, to project – and evaluate, we're talking about undrafted free agent Darius Williams. We're talking about undrafted free agent Troy Hill. We're talking about sixth-round pick Jordan Fuller. We're talking about John Johnson, fourth-round pick. That whole secondary has been here with the Rams since day one of them coming from college football. So I just think that, that you know, Les might not he, – he might not have those flashy first-round picks because he trades them all. But, man, he in different spots in the draft, he finds some value. That's all I was saying about the ability to draft. I think that he's done. No, that's a good, good point. Job. That's a very yeah. good point. And as you know, their roster better than I do. That was an impressive argument right there for him. So again, I, I like that's why I, that's why I like having us together because there are there are rosters you know better than I do, and and I get to hear these kind of arguments, which is good. Well, David, you're the, you're the smartest person I know, so I have to I have to impress <laughs> in spots. Where I can. You need to be in a. You need to be in a better room if I'm the smartest person. You know. speaking, of be, speaking of being in the same room, why are you not signed up for Friday Night Scout School? We're going to talk about that a little later, but you should definitely do that. We're actually concluding yeah. our first class, which is wonderful. Twenty-five week course that is coming to an end here soon. 
But we need to continue all of this conversation because we get sidetracked very easily. The Carolina Panthers, which David Turner did have a stop with in his scouting career. So Carolina Panthers, I was talking about some teams had a very small list of candidates. They obviously zeroed in on their play, on their uh, their potential candidates for their general manager positions. The Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, they have a very, very long list of candidates from Nick Casario, who, of course, took the job with Houston, Ed Dodds, who David is very familiar with, Scott Fitterer, Jeff Ireland, former uh, Saints assistant general manager, and he was general manager down in Miami. David, were you with Jeff Ireland at all when your time there? I haven't been. I know Jeff, but I haven't been yeah. with Jeff, no. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Champ Kelly, we talked about a little bit. Omar Khan, which we're going to talk about a little bit in the, in the Houston situation a little later. Uh, Monty Austin Fort, Adam Peters, Ryan Poles, Jerry Reese, former Giants general manager, uh, Pat Stewart, Panthers director of player personnel, this is a very long list, David. Obviously, the Panthers are doing their due diligence. They are doing their process with Marty Herney now out of the door. Any names here just that, of that list that I just said? Obviously, Ed Dodds is a guy that you speak very highly of. Who are a couple guys that stick out to you in this? Well, in this what I heard here is George and Ed both re- re- retract their names from this one. They mm-hmm. both pulled out um, and said, no, thank you. I'm hearing rule is being tough in the interviews. And so it's going to be, it's going to come down to uh, who can work with rule and know that, you know, his rule is rule around there. So, um, but what's really interesting to me, I saw the uh, favorites list today or the finalist list or whatever you want to call second interviews. Now is this Monty Austin and Adam Peters. And both these guys have spent time, a lot of time with the, New England Patriots. And so I just want to get into this conversation. <laughs> oh, great. Here we go. Like, what makes everybody think New England is the way, is the, is the place to go shopping for their for their personnel and coaches? Like, seriously, I know there's a bunch of rings up there, okay? I get the jewelry, attraction to jewelry, but yep. let's talk about this. The fail record for people leaving the system and becoming successful on their own. This isn't Bill Walsh, where the Wall Street relinquished a ton of Same. successful men to go on and be successful on not or, only personnel or the, but in or, or, the, or the Mike Holmgren list too. Like I'm, that's another tree that popped in my head. Like Mike Holmgren had a crazy coaching tree too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 you're fine. And again, the Holmgren, Holmgren started with Walsh, so he knew mm-hmm. how to put them together and go right. Bilicek, let's talk about Bilicek comes from the Parcells tree. What other Parcells coach has gone out there and really made a name for themselves besides Bilicek? Okay. But everybody is always jumping on these disciples from these guys and their megaphones and agents must be incredible that, that they're out there getting these jobs. But I, I look at other candidates in the, in these cycles, in these processes and it always amazes me when I'm reading down the bios of them, like, oh, he spent eight years in New England. Oh, this one spent 12 years in New England. This one spent – and I'm just like, the world doesn't revolve around New England. It, that, that's, not, that's not the case here. Now, these two guys, like Adam you know, and, and Monty, they went other places. But Monty only went one year to the Titans, and now, he, now he's in this job hunt. And Adam went to Denver. Now he's been in San Francisco. He's done a few other things. I get that. And you know what? I respect it. Um, 
I don't know Adam well, and again, I don't know Monty, so I'm not trying to throw shade on him. I'm just saying that the shopping list can be extended past New England for opportunities here, people. Um, that all being said, uh, you know, what's interesting, I think it was here. Was it here? No, it wasn't here. It's was in Washington. It's the next one we're going to talk about. But, um, you know, this one's interesting because people who I thought would be good fits would be Trent Krishner. Joe Shad, who uh, are guys that came from Carolina, okay, and started early scouting as scouts early in their careers there, that I know love the organization and would love to go back to the region and raise their kids and everything there. Um, they're not on this list. And so that, and that's kind of interesting because Fitterer, who is with Trent up in Seattle, got mm -hmm. got an interview here but Trent didn't get an interview. So I'm like that's very interesting to me that they're not trying to bring Carolina men back to Carolina. You know, that really to me that's more telling than anything else right now where you see other teams will bring guys back that started their career they like like maybe a Champ Kelly goes back to Denver, right? This is a situation where they're trying to change the culture. They're obviously saying we're, we're changing the culture here. We're getting everybody out. We're not trying to invite anybody who's been here back yet. Right. Right. And I, I, I man, I, I get into arguments with my dad about the, the Panthers. All, I mean, the Panthers, the new England tree all the time. Cause it's just so funny to me. Uh, just talking about some of those guys that you named. Right. And like, I went to, I started thinking of them all. I'm like, Romeo Cornell, otherwise, Josh McDaniels, like there is not a good, there's not a good record there, you know? And at what point, like, I know it's a copycat league, especially, and David, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, right? So the personnel side of everything, the scouting side of everything, the front office side of everything, the New England Patriots are not good at drafting. Why, like, why, why is their scouting department such a hotbed for front office if I guess Bill picks up the phone and starts making a plug for everybody, I don't know. I said whoever's got the podium and the megaphone, they're making the right argument for these guys because the resumes aren't impressive. Like I heard, so there was one GM candidate that I had talked about with somebody privately today, and I guess he was in negotiations to maybe be on a serious level, and the ownership decided, hey, let me go check the. Check the references. So they went and called the references, and the references weren't good. They right. just weren't good. So they were like, okay, never mind. We're not going to do this. But seriously, people in the buildings at the time were like all over. We should get this guy. We need to jump on this guy. We need to. And one person in the ownership group was like, let's pump our brake and check the references really quick before we get, you know, too far down the road. And then they retracted and pulled the, the offer, and that was fine. <clears throat> more people need to do that when they start looking into these situations. I think you can't just take the agent's word or the popular Twitterverse world of what's going on. You, you should call and check references and do your due diligence. Cause if you did that more often, I think you would see less mistakes being made. Oh, uh, David, you hate Twitter so much. I just can't, I can't even explain how much that you hate Twitter. I will say this though, before we move on to the next team, Monty Austinfort, that might be the coolest name on this list of any candidate. I just want to put that out real quick. Dude, that's a great last name. It is Monty a great. Austinfort. That's awesome. That's yeah. I mean, if your first name is Monty, I mean, you're just you're just cool. It's pretty. It's a pretty dynamic name, to be honest. Like, I like it a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I know I have, like, this weird tone sometimes where, like, maybe you can't tell if I'm being sarcastic or not. But <laughs> I am in no way 
being sarcastic about this. I love that name. I wish that was my name. Ryan Roberts. That is so boring. Like, oh, yeah. can, you imagine, can you imagine someday if it's Ryan Roberts, director of player person? Like, who cares? Ryan Roberts? That is the most boring name of all time. Um, where are we at now? Where are we at? Where are Washington? Washington. Team? This is <laughs> this is a, this is that other side. We just talked about a team that has done a ton of interviews. Right now, the Washington football team only have two confirmed um interviews right now. Martin Mayhew, 49ers VP of player personnel, and Marty Herney. So two Martys coming in the building. Marty Herney, of course, the former Panthers general manager. David, this is a weird list. I don't know. I'm looking at this, man, and I'm like, all right, those are your guys. That's it. Well, it, internal candidates also you have to look at are Eric Stokes, who was assistant GM at the Miami Dolphins under uh, Hickey, and he's already there. He's in the building. Uh, he's a very qualified candidate to take over. You have Doug Williams that's in the building that obviously has been a, uh, someone that the coach could uh, Rivera could lean on this year and talk with and, and talk to about things as well. Plus they have, they have some qualified people in the building already. Um, they kind of cleaned house a little bit last year and brought a few guys up. So um, this is a situation. I don't know if they're going to name a GM or do old school Al Davis style and just name a VP of player personnel and and not give the GM title away and because you know really coaches the the GM so I don't know what they're going to do in that kind of situation what the title will be and um, like I said Eric's there and can do the job very well if they wanted to roll with Eric so I don't know if they're going to go too deep into the search um, I also heard there was another name that raised a little bit later today I'm trying to place it Marty Herney uh, Marty Herney let me tell you this I was hired by Dave Gettleman. Dave got fired a few weeks after I got there. Marty had no reason to keep me, and he did. He let me uh, work out my contract, be there. And when I was in the hospital, when I got diagnosed with my heart condition, I was working for the Panthers. Marty Herney called me every day. The man called me. He made time for me every day. So, you know, where a lot of people in my life didn't call, he called every day to make sure I was okay. He, he, he was amazing to me and an amazing individual. So, you know, I think it's it's very just for him to get an interview here. Will he get the job? I don't know. Um, and Marty Mayhew, I think he's a great individual who's only 55 years old. He was seven years already at GM in in um, Detroit. Then he moved over and has helped out now. The, the Niners build their roster up really well. So here's a situation that would, you would get a really good personnel guy in, in, in uh, Martin Mayhew if you hire him. So those are two really strong candidates and names if you were to go with them. And like I said, Stokes is in the building, but the other thing you got to remember, they just lost their, their playoff game and Rivera is kind of guiding this ship and he's been going through cancer and everything. So this is a team that might take a little longer if they don't move on one of these two initial candidates, it might take a little longer to field some, some people. And again, here's a Trent Krishner too. Trent also worked there. If I remember correctly, um, that's how he knows Schneider. So, you know, they were both in that building and Schneider just got like a six year extension this year or today. So, you know, Trent could wind up going back there if they, if they're looking for a personnel guy. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just, um, so is, is that like, I know you were talking about like, will they just have, you know, the label and the head coach will have a lot of the say of, of the, you know, what, what the roster development's going to look like. Is that how Ron usually 
handles that situation, or is that just something that you think might be unique to this particular team now? That's why they hired Ron in Washington. That's why Ron took the Washington gig. He was up for a couple other jobs. Um, right. It was rumored that if Ron wanted Atlanta's job last year, he could have had it, but they wanted to keep Dimitri off to work with him, and Ron wanted to be able to run the whole place. So, gotcha. um, so therefore, I think that's why Ron took Washington because he could run the whole place. So whoever gets the title, I don't know. And that's the other part about hiring a personnel guy away from another team is you, you would have to give them say so over the roster. Whereas if you got Stokes in the building, you don't have to give him say so over the roster. He's already there, right? And a Marty Herney, you don't have to give him say so over the roster because he's already there. Or Jerry Reese, or um, even a Dorsey. Well, no, a Dorsey you might even though well, he's only a consultant at the Eagles, so you might not need to get him a, for a now. full. Yeah, for now, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like if you want to bring a Dorsey in, um, you could do it. Um, you know, and or even. Um, who, Alonzo Highsmith, who's with Seattle as a consultant, you know, you could bring him. Oh, right. Alonzo yeah. Highsmith? Really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so these guys that have consultant roles in different, uh, Ray Farmer, I think he's a, technically a consultant with the Rams. So, you know, those guys, I don't think you'd have to give them full control over the roster. Whereas uh, a Martin Mayhew, you, you know, you basically would have to give them control over the roster, which I don't know coach wants to give up. So that's right. why I look at the internal candidates like like Stokes and say I could see that being the guy. Gotcha. And I, I'm looking at the next list, David, because we want to move to the Detroit Lions. I have been on record, man, and I know you don't agree with this. You have to be a madman to want to fix that roster right now with how that thing is constructed. I know you don't agree. It's all right. But some of the candidates that have already completed interviews are Thomas Dimitrov. Ed Dodds, Terry Fontenot, you're going to start to hear some names that we keep talking about. Brad Holmes, Jeff Ireland, Lance Newmark, Kyle O'Brien, George Patton, Scott Pioli. Peyton, I keep saying it wrong. Damn. Scott Pioli, Lewis Riddick, Rick Smith. So the one that stands out to me there, you know, we keep talking about guys that are coming from other departments. Obviously, Lewis Riddick was in a scouting department um, at some years. But he has been an ESPN analyst. My old star here, David, is this realistic? Does Riddick actually have a shot here? Because I heard a lot about it early. I haven't heard anything about it over the last few days. I don't know if it's a realistic option here. Second interviews from what I'm hearing there have mm-hmm. uh, been set. And Brad Holmes is one of the guys that they're bringing in for a second interview there. Okay. They just wrapped up their interview with Ed Dodds, which, again, Ed and I worked together as young scouts in Oakland. And we're, we're very, you know, we're, we, we used to be very close uh, back in the day. We're still friends. So for me, I was, I was, I was shocked that this one came to Ed. I thought Ed would, uh, would have ended up somewhere else with one, like more like Jacksonville that's coming up on our list. But um, the Lions, you know, he's a young up and coming guy. He's a straight shooter. He's a straight talker. There's no BS with Ed. It's just, it is what it is. They just had a young guy, so I don't know if they want another young guy. But to see Brad and Dead on this list with, as you saw, a very top-heavy list with Dimitrioff and Pioli and and all these other guys that have already done it. Now, Lewis Riddick, you know, 
for Eric Stokes was really close to Lewis Riddick and I could see, and Eric always talked very highly of him and said that, you know, he knows what he's doing. He, you know, he's a guy that should be in the league, but he's choosing to do the commentating route um, as his avenue to get back in at a higher level and show off what he can do and how he does things. I follow Lewis on Twitter. A lot of what he says makes a lot of sense on Twitter, you know, so I can read it and see where his mindset. And I watch him on TV, obviously I've never worked with him, but from people that do know him, like I said, Eric and those others, a couple others I know that know him, they speak very highly of him to have the opportunity would be good for him. I personally think the Detroit lions, I'm shocked George Payton hasn't been named their GM already, to be honest with you, because Chris Spielman has gone there to help out the team. And he's taking on a leadership role with between the ownership president and whoever's going to be over football and Rick Spielman's his brother and George Payton and Rick are best friends and they're in Minnesota. So he's been around, George has been around Chris for over 20 years. So they know each other. There's a familiarity with each other and there's, there's obviously personal relationship there. So, you know, and that I just really thought that was going to be George's job right away. When I saw Chris get hired in that role, I was like, Oh, George is going to end up there, you know, and uh, that'll be good for, for them because George is a great personnel guy. It's a historic franchise. They got a quarterback already. So I was like, okay, this looks good. And then I saw Ed's name go there. And then I heard they're really impressed with him and they're really impressed with Brad Holmes. I'm like, wow, are they going to the young guys? Like, right. I, I was just, I was just like, whoa, because they're, they're so older, heavy, you know, over 40 heavy type guys. And, and now they're, what I'm hearing is that they're very impressed with Ed and Brad. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like, are they going to go another young GM just coming from uh, the guy they fired? So it was uh, another failed uh, New England. Yeah, you know, regime there, but who's counting? Uh, so you know, yeah, I just thought that was interesting in that in that little twist in the Lions' pursuit to get a GM today. And and again, I I mean, I think again, I don't know Brad, but Ed or George would be great fits there at the Lions. Um, and and again, you're making a great case for Brad uh, Holmes, the director of college scouting for the Rams. So you know, it it sounds like they have some really good candidates to choose from. And another one that was interesting there before, you know, maybe it was just agent speak or something there, Ryan, but mm-hmm. people were saying that John Schneider, they were going to try to trade something over to get John Schneider. And they had rumors out there that they were going to try to trade something for Kevin Colbert out of the Steelers. Cause both those GMs were, were on the last year of their deals. Now Schneider got his new deal announced today, six years, um, extension through uh, 2027 so we'll see if what what pittsburgh does over there with uh, kevin gotcha gotcha i actually talked to somebody about john schneider earlier i know he's you know he's had his moments but he's in i mean that's another organization that does not drive very well so <laughs> i mean they just don't i mean I, I mean just look at those first round picks man like it just seems like every year they're like off the wall and how many of them have really turned out you know like going back like LJ Collier and Jordan Brooks over the last couple of years, Jermaine Effetti, like, man, I don't know. Like that roster construction, you know how you know my feelings about the about the uh, Jamal Adams trade too. So there's just man, I, know you're feeling, I know I know your twisted feelings on that. But they also got rid of their offensive coordinator today, which is interesting because like literally three days before the season they fired their uh special teams coordinator just and kept it hush hush. No one really talked about it. So right. you know, um, Brian Schneider was shown the door, which 
is amazing, or not even, I shouldn't say amazing. It's just a, a com- completely side spite, man, as you can tell, even from my tone here months later, because Schneider was with Carol down in SC. Um, Brian was with us at uh, the Oakland Raiders, and then when Blaine got let go, he went down to USC. And then when uh, Pete came back up, Brian went with them. So they've been together for a dozen years or so, and he let them go. And then in addition to that now, they let the OC go, uh, saying philosophical differences. So there's some major changes going to be happening up in uh, Seattle this uh, offseason. But it sounds like, you know, Schneider's going to be the man for the next six years up there. So, And that was Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator let go, right? Yes. Yeah. Man, he's another guy. I feel like, like, I know, I know his dad, right? Like Marty was awesome. Marty ball, right? Like. What has Brian Schottenheimer ever done, really? What, like every stop, I feel like he's just the most average offensive coordinator of all time. I had a buddy that texted me and was like, "Huh, Brian Schottenheimer? Maybe he'll be the next uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles." I'm like, "Why? <laughs> why is he? Why? 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 <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna keep saying why. Like I literally, like usually, I just give my two cents to my friends, right? And I like put my, my, you know, whatever my mindset is on something out there. But like, I literally just text back, "Why?" Why? I just want to hear perspective on that. So, yeah. sorry, sorry if Brian Schottenheimer, um, if he subscribes to the show, I apologize, Brian. You're a great person, I'm sure. No, call in. We'll talk about it, Brian. Uh, yeah, call in. Call <laughs> call in. We'll talk about it. You got we'll, my we'll, number. We'll go over your resume and uh, we'll talk it out. We'll see. We'll see where you've been. Uh, last, wait, did we get through them all? No, Jacksonville. We got to talk about Jacksonville. So, Jacksonville's another team that's looking at where to go oh no no stalling 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 well jacksonville oh, i think's on hold be, because your boy your boy has got a, your boy has got him on on hostage alert here you know he hasn't made his mind up yet so you know it, they're waiting to see it because the the rumor around town is if if your boy takes the job the guys like trent bulky might stay um on because not too many people want to work with your boy or if Why they don't my boy why is he my boy? Who do you Why? want to coach? Why? Who do you want to coach? The, who do you want to coach the, the Irish? One, one of the one of the best one of the best college football coaches we have seen in the last twenty years. That's why I want to coach Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I don't want him as an NFL head coach, though. That's you know whatever. Well, you want him where he can lie, cheat, and steal in order to win. That's all you want. He can't do it at the NFL level, and that's why I don't think he really wants to be an NFL head coach because I don't think he he can play off the books like he's used to playing. And win. So, you know, unlike Pete Carroll, who's just a good football coach, he can come up and he can do it. But I don't think I don't think Urban is a good football coach. I think he's a guy who sells his soul. And then when he gets uh, close to being caught, he just says, oh, my health, I got to go. So great recruiter. Great recruiter. Mr. Urban Meyer. Absolutely. agree. Yeah. But when you got draft picks, you don't need to recruit. You own their rights. So, you know. I hear uh, but you know that's why I'm so Jacksonville to me I think is being held hostage right now by Urban, and we'll see what his decisions over the next couple of days. I guess they're doing some interviews on some people, which you know, like I said, we got to see if Urban takes the job or not. If he doesn't take the job, the GM becomes very integral in that in that building because they have to. Uh, they have a lot of draft capital, a lot of cap space. They have a lot of decisions to be made about culture and. Uh, decisions to be made there around how to build the team and everything. So they need to actually move faster than what they're moving right now because they have two hires, head coach and GM, and neither one's being addressed while they're sitting on the sidelines waiting for your guy to make up his mind. 
Hey, hey, Urban's got a staff ready to go, right? If he gets his money, we're, we're coming. We're coming aboard, man. We're coming aboard. So he's, he's, he's got not worth twelve million a year. He's not worth twelve million a year. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody's worth twelve million a year. I guess Bill Belichick is kind of. Well, Saban, Saban, Saban won his. Nick Saban. We, saw, we saw that story already, didn't we? We saw that in Miami already. I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying the pro level, but I mean, at college, oh, yeah. just, I mean, the guy won seven championships so far. I mean, if I'm a college team, I'd pay him $12 million to come do that. I know it's basketball, but how much do you think John Wooden would be? Would be uh, oh, my gosh. Right now? Did he win like 10 straight or something like that with, with Kareem back in the day? Like, what would he be worth right now? It would like, be amazing. Unlimited amazing. money? I don't know. Well, here's a, here's a side note. Ready? You know my dad's nickname for Urban Meyer is? My sure. dad hates Urban Meyer, by the way. Well, basically. Uh, Urban Liar. So yeah. there's, a, there's a Ray Roberts special for you right there. And it's it's good. We'll, we'll come I knew I liked your dad. Yes, he's a good person. He's a good person. He thanked you again for, for the uh, for the gift. He was like, should I should I call him? And I'm like, I got it. It's all good. I got it. It's all good. It was, yeah, yeah, he's he's just that kind of guy. So some of the candidates, though, that are on hold, according to David Turner, Ray Farmer has completed an interview, former Browns general manager, Jerry Reese, who we've talked about a couple times, former Giants general manager, Louis Riddick again, and Rick Smith, who I think we've talked about probably three or four times at this point. So those guys are on hold. I think that's a perfect segue, though, talking about some of the head coaches. We talked about Urban Meyer already, so why don't we just start with Jacksonville? So it seems, David, to me, that this is Urban's this is Urban's job if he wants it, right? Like that is the top candidate. A couple other guys that have completed interviews for the position: Raheem Morris, who is the interim Falcons head coach after um, after Dan Quinn was let go during the season; Eric Bieniemy, who I feel like is on most lists. He's been a guy that people have been talking Not about years. Not Houston. We'll get there. But he's been a guy that has been rumored uh, for the last couple of years. When's he getting his job? When's he getting his job? So Eric Bieniemy is on a couple lists. And then Robert Salah. Salah? Robert Salah. Let's go Robert Salah. I think that's how it's pronounced. I always forget that one, too. So we'll say Robert Salah, who's done an incredible job in the 49ers as their defensive coordinator. And he is a very intimidating-looking man. So <laughs> I, would not, I would not mess with Robert Salah. Um, well, what I find interesting here is like I, this is a situation where I, I legitly would would bring in a guy like Ed Dodds who has a very very proven track record of drafting and putting great draft picks together, finding you know working with Chris Ballard in in Cleveland I'm sorry in Indianapolis. This is a guy that has a track record, knows what to do with draft picks, and all that draft capital that you've built there. This is a guy where you can hire one of the best young evaluators in the game right now to go be your GM. And he can bring hot coaching candidates from his own team, his offensive coordinator or his defensive coordinator. You can get a a pair out of Indianapolis in your division, bring them down there, you hurt your division rivals, you build your team right, and, and guess what? You, you, you started a new culture down there and a, and a better way to win. So, you know, anytime you can take from your division rivals and, 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 and bring their, you know, counterparts into your building and, and hurt them a little bit, it helps. And you got a great drafter sitting right there that's on other people's list, obviously, and he's not been interviewed. I, that just dumbfounds me. 
Yeah. And um, so, I mean, is Urban Meyer, does he want to be general manager too? Is that what the 12 Yeah, he for? wants to run the whole ship. He, he thinks this is college football. And you know what? I'm sorry. You've never coached in the pros. You don't know what you're doing. We've seen this. We've seen this recipe with Steve Spurrier. We've seen it with even Saban. We've seen it with uh, the Louisville coach. uh, uh, Petrino. Petrino. Who holds back in the day, too. The New York Pumor North. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, we've seen this. We've seen this rodeo. We've been there. And the only one that's been successful doing it. Coming from the college up to pros, but he's he did coach at the pros at one point already. Is to me Pete Carroll. So you know to give a guy like Urban Myers the keys to the car and all the money and everything, it's just it's not a good situation. It's not wow. a good decision. I will say shout out to Urban Meyer because he ha- he has a really great restaurant right out on the outskirt of Columbus. When went there during the summer, David, it was delicious. It was absolutely wonderful. And during the COVID, which was you know COVID's been awful, but they actually had the street shut down and you had your you know you you were socially distanced from everybody else. It was good drinks, good food. Shout out to to Urban Meyer's spot down there. Uh, if he if he's not going to be a head coach anytime soon, at least he has great taste in restaurants. So shout out to you, shout out to you, sir. Um, next job opening. This is the first one that we're talking about. That is not a situation where you need a head coach and a general manager. We're talking about the New York jets, which thankfully Joe Douglas is still in place. I was really scared for a while that Joe Douglas was going to attach himself so hard to Adam Gase that he was going to go out the door with him, but he's still in place. Adam Gase is finally out of here. Head coaching talk here. Okay. Head coaching talk. The guys that have completed interviews so far, Brandon Staley, you can't have Brandon Staley. Arthur Smith, you can have Arthur Smith. Go for it. Marvin Lewis, former Bengals head coach. We have uh, Patrick Graham decide to go back to the New York Giants, defensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn, who's the Saints secondary coach, who was an excellent defensive back in the NFL. Matt Eberflus, Colts defensive coordinator, who you talked about a little bit. They have some guys in-house there. Brian Dayball, who I feel is going to be on the most short lists. Joe Brady and Eric Bieniemy. According to this NFL.com article, finalist Robert Slot, who apparently is coming in for his second interview, seems like he's the guy, David. But another guy that I think you need to keep your eye on that I heard a little whisper about this morning was Doug Peterson. Yeah, that everybody's been saying that crap. Right. So are we going retread with Doug Peterson, who did a pretty good job with the Eagles? Last couple years wasn't great. Or are we going Robert Salah? It looks like Salah's got to be the heavy favorite in New York. Yeah, I haven't heard any inside scoop on this one at all. But yeah, I saw the Doug Peterson. I saw a bunch of people talking today about how Doug Peterson never has been able to coach his own or have his own staff. The people down in in, uh, Howie Roseman and others in the building down at the Eagles have interfered with Peterson and, and therefore he needs to be able to go somewhere and have his own staff to show what he really can do. I think that's all agent speak and stuff. I, I don't know it well enough. I don't follow the Eagles well enough to know if that's true or not, but the situation is Robert's law has done. I don't know why he's not Detroit's head coach right now. I really don't understand Detroit being honest with you. Me, it would be George Payton and Robert Salah being introduced this week. I have my general manager and I have my head coach. We're, we're upfield. We're ready to go. We're ahead of everybody else. And we've done our due diligence. And that would be what I would do at the Lions. Um, but here at the Jets, if he's coming in, doing his in-person interview, 
I think Joe Douglas likes this guy. He likes the toughness. He likes what he's done in San Francisco, not only with a bunch of first-round picks and stuff, but this year with a bunch of injuries. This is a guy that's shown that he can cook with very little agreement ingredients and still make a lot, a lot from it. So, you know, Robert's law to me should be the heavy favorite. I think the only reason Doug Peterson's name's getting mentioned as much as it is, is obviously the relationship Joe and him have from their days at the Eagles together. Right. Right. And we actually did have, this is one of those working questions I talked about at the beginning of the show at the dynasty drive. He mentioned it. He said, with news of Salah being flown in for the second interview with the Jets, do you think he'd be a good fit? So we just talked about that a little bit. I think Salah makes a lot of sense. I think what we saw was dysfunction, disorganization, this organization. I don't know. Whatever the word is. I did not like anything that Matt Patricia put out there, man. Like so many square pegs and round holes. We saw as soon as he was out the door, people were just like sending laughing emojis that had played for him. Like about time we got this clown out of here type of thing. So again, everything I've seen well-respected and he brings that energy and he kind of has that. He has that, like, I have a lot of energy. I'm, I'm a player's coach type of thing, but then he has like that authoritative figure too, to him. Would you, would you do you see him a little like a Joe Judge? I, I think he's a little more open than Joe Judge. Like I think he brings a little more juice, but I think the authoritative side of him might be like a Joe Judge. I, gotcha. I'm trying to think of a good compare, like maybe a Mike Vrabel type of guy. You know, like he's a, he looks like he would go into the gym and work out with you. He's got that like that animation on the sideline a little bit, but then you can tell like his players are like, but but you're you're the guy. Like we're not going to mess with you. You know what I mean? Like you are the absolute leader of this franchise. So I'm not going to mess with you too much, type of guy. So that's just kind of the. That's kind of the, the aura that he puts off for me. And I think that he would be a good fit in New York. I think he would be a good fit in Detroit too, which I know. See, I don't yeah. know if he's a good fit in New York. I think he's a great fit in Detroit. A great I think he's a great fit in Detroit. But in New York, you got, you're going to have to go in. You got quarterback issues. You got a defense that really for oh, it plays hard, but man, there is not much there for you to work with. You're going to have to rebuild that with Joe. You got to have to figure out your offense. What is it going to look like? Who's your offensive coordinator going to be to get that all figured out and ironed out? And then you have a, a history of the and you got Jets fans and Jets uh, media that are very hard on people, very hard on their coaches. And again, to me, you got you can't fire back at them. You got to be very political whereas he's a detroit guy this is like if he goes to detroit he's the prodigal son coming home he's gonna have some forgiveness here and there for maybe some stuff early because he's their guy he's you know he's from detroit it makes a lot of sense for him to go to detroit where he's got a quarterback and he can build a little bit around that and i think he can make that a really run happy offense you know where he could pound and ground and you know that's gonna be a good thing there in detroit or if you try to do that in New York on in the AFC, you know, East right now, you got Sam Donald, you got like the second pick, you know, are you going to draft fields? Are you not? I mean, what, there's just so much there. I think it's better. Detroit's a bet to me looking at the two jobs. If he's got his take, I'm taking Detroit. I'm building a team. I'm going there, you know, cause think about this. Look at that division quarterback wise, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers playing very high level. He ain't going to be there forever. Uh, yep. Cousins is, is average, right? 
And then the Bears, we don't know what the Bears are, are going to do, Trubisky, or what what's going to happen. So that's a very winnable division starting next year. Like you were talking about, you know, going, you know, going to uh, Denver, maybe you know, as a as a division that's winnable. I think this one's a short turnaround, winnable. You know, I know you got a lot of building per, you know, roster wise, but division wise, this is something you spend a couple of years putting together, right? And you could be in that division winning for a long time because there's going to be a lot of changeover coming there in the next couple of years. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, and, and I think you make a good point, David. Like Detroit kind of has that working class vibe and Robert Salah kind of has that working class vibe, like tough, gritty type of person. So let's talk about, I mean, so it's, but it's from the sounds of it, it sounds like Salah is the heavy favorite in the Jets. So where does Detroit turn from there? Guys that have interviewed for Detroit, Robert Salah, Arthur Smith have completed Marvin Lewis, who I, Man, I just have a funny feeling it's going to be going to be Marvin Lewis, to be honest. Dan Campbell, who was a Saints assistant head coach, tight ends coach. He also was the interim head coach down in Miami a couple years ago for Joe Philbin. Todd Bowles, who is the Buccaneers defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy again, Chiefs offensive coordinator. And Daryl Bevel, who is was their interim coach after Matt Patricia was let go. David, I'm telling you, man, this I, I don't I don't make a lot of predictions here. Well, I do, I guess, but but this is one of, <laughs> I'm, this is one that I'm I I, I have like this. Subtle, well, you're not right on your predictions a lot of times. I'm always right. Um, so, subtle <laughs> confidence here, subtle confidence. I think Marvin Lewis is going to be the next coach of the Detroit Lions. I do. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't have any inside info there. I just I just, just feel it. I just feel it. Yeah, I can't. I, I, again. I can't make the call. I don't know well enough what they're looking for. Like to me, these were, these were no brainers for me with the lions. I thought the lions would be done already. Literally like hire the GM and the next day, bring in the coach and be done. Like, you know, tomorrow should have been that would, that should have been like Monday should have been hiring the GM and Wednesday hiring the coach and, and you're upfield. Like I, I honestly, they, they're puzzling me with taking so long and what's, what's going on and letting qualified individuals that want the jobs like Salah out of the building without getting a deal done like that to me, I, I just never seen it before. So I don't know, but out of that list, you said, I don't think the enemy is a good take here at, at the lions. I think that he would have a great quarterback for a few years, but then, you know, what do you have after that? I think he's really good with young quarterbacks so he's almost better for New York uh, taking the New York job with his offense and what they do uh, at the Jets. I think that the enemy would be a better fit there. Uh, I don't know what the interview process has been. We'll get into that with the Texans a little bit. But, you know, for me, I looked at I look at these situations where the enemy's name's at. And I, I think that having a younger quarterback, somebody that, you know, he could work with and, and have more influence over the way he is with um, Mahomes would be good. So I, I see the Jets being a better situation for him than, than Detroit. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy is a weird case, man. Like, I mean, you hear stuff from his days of Colorado, right? Like there was some mishaps. There was a rough little ending there. And then like, I've just have heard so many rumors about like, he's just a bad interviewer. He doesn't present himself well in interviews. Like, and that's just talking heads, right? Like, I don't know if that's true. And well, just, again, yeah. I mean, 
we'll get we'll get we'll get into it with the Texans when we get that in the second part of the show because I want to I want to unleash on that a little bit. <laughs> oh, you want to unleash on that? Okay. Well, I, I don't think we have to spend too much time on the Chargers. I think we're both in agreement, like Brian Dayball, right? Like that's yeah. the no brainer. That's the no brainer. I think we can scan through that one very quickly. I think that's a no-brainer because him and the GM went to high school together. This is the last hire for the the GM. If he gets it wrong, uh, he'll be out. So, you know, this is his third coach he's on. You don't you rarely get three coaches when you're a GM. Barely do you get two sometimes. So, right. you know, this is a situation where I think, you know, he's going to go with his high school friend. It makes a lot of sense because the quarterback that he's working with right now and having a lot of success with up in uh, – Buffalo is really similar to your quarterback there. So yeah. Yep. The Justin Herbert, Josh Allen comparisons. I love, I love the comparison Atlanta Falcons. I think that's the last one that we're going to talk about before we go into Houston. So actually now we'll probably, we'll probably have to do Philadelphia real quick too, because who knows what's happening there. So Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> some of the names, Eric B Todd Bowles, a couple same names, Joe Brady, who I thought would be up for maybe more, at least just interest, maybe not the head coaching job this year, but like interest. Nathaniel Hackett, which is the Packers' offensive coordinator. Raheem Morris, interim Falcons head coach, and we talked about a little bit. Robert Salah and Arthur Smith. This is one, David. I don't know where they're going here. I feel like this might be a enemy spot. Like if I think that I think this is going to be an offensive coordinator spot. So enemy Brady, or Smith. I feel like it's one of those three. You know what's hilarious here is yep. that the fired head coach snatched up a job like this in in Dallas and the defense under him was awful. It was just awful. <laughs> but then Raheem Morris took over and oh my gosh, there was life breath, you know, breathed back into the the, the, the the Falcons breast down there. I mean, defense played well, offense was scoring all over the place. And yet Dan goes and gets a defensive coordinator job. Of course it's with Dallas, so it is what it is. But that just was amazing to me. I was just like, good Lord. Um, you know, I think Raheem's done. Put a good resume to be a guy there. And maybe even if you're the head coach, honestly, I know you don't like looking over your shoulder a lot. But right. dang, man, this might be a guy that if an Arthur Smith were to go in there or an Eric Bieniemy were to go in there, man, you might want to keep this dude around. The players seem to like him. The locker room plays for him. And, you know, it's a situation where he called a good – he calls good defense, um, and they don't have a lot of defensive studs and stars down there. So, you know, uh, that's just one that you know, tonight I would say if you're a coach and you're going in there and you're going to get that job, really look hard at Raheem and keep him around because he's he's done a great job since he's taken over that, that program. I think it was after game four or five of the season. Yeah, no, and he did a great job. So I definitely want to put that out there. I just like we talked about this one week too. Usually you don't see guys that like so they went from a defensive head coach. Usually you go the reverse there. Like usually you go offensive guy. That's just kind of my thought process. Even though I mean, in theory, like you rebuild that defense, you, you, you get you get that that unit turned around a little bit. That offense is still ready to click and fire a little bit. You know, like you still have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan. Like you're still gonna be able to put up points. So, like, if a quick fix can happen defensively, I get it. I just don't think that you see that too often where you go back-to-back defensive coaches. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I was saying. Like, if you go get Arthur Smith as your head coach or you go get right. the enemy or somebody as your head coach, an offensive coach, mm-hmm. they should really look at keeping him around to be their defensive coordinator. That's that would be ideal. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That would be the best situation for the Falcons because it would be best of both worlds. And, again, you – 
there's a lot of GM candidates. I think that'd be in favor of that because Raheem seems to be very, um, very liked around the league. So, yeah. Well, last one we want to talk about before we unleash on Houston, baby. The Philadelphia Eagles. This one came out of nowhere, David. I mean, man, I, I mean, honestly, you asked me this on Twitter like yesterday, right? What, was I surprised? What should um, should uh, should Howie still be out? That's if what you, I asked you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you asked me. You asked me about Howie. So my thing has always been, man, like, so the three people that you're going to blame, right, for an organization, you're going to blame them. Head coach, quarterback, general manager. Those are the three, right? Those are the three. You don't usually talk about owners too much unless they involve themselves too much. Those are the three. So my old response was always, they all deserve blame because they have all been awful in the last couple of years. Like, let's call it what it is. But if you told me who needs to be out first, I would have said Howie. Then I would have said the coach. Then I would have said Wentz. That would have been a three. All three deserve their blame. But Doug Peterson was not the main problem, in my opinion. But all of a sudden, oh, him and Jeffrey Laurie are meeting. He could be gone today. And then a couple hours later, he's out of here. It was not a smoke. It was not just like, you know, just smoke. There was fire to that conversation. And all of a sudden, he's gone. And it took me very much by surprise because I was not expecting it. I'll be well, let's honest. look at this really quick. Yep. Howie Roseman yep. has been there since Andy Reid. Yep. He got Andy Reid fired. He's got he, He's gotten every coach since fired. You know, when Chip Kelly came in, he didn't want Howie around, so they moved him to some other position. Yep. And then, then Howie worked his way back into favor and then got him fired. And then now he won a, won a Super Bowl with this coach and now is getting this coach fired again, getting this coach fired. But yet he's staying. You know, I, I don't know what kind of pictures he has on Lurie or where or what kind of <laughs> – if he's buried some bodies for him or something somewhere. But it, it's like – unbelievable that how he still stays there and i'm not trying to bash the guy it's just to see the longevity of an individual who's only got one ring and that ring really came with luck with a backup quarterback yeah so it wasn't like a you know it was stellar like you said the other day we were on a a show and you were talking about how all the all the the off-season picks from long to whatever just all hit in that one season man and, it wasn't and, even drafting. It was just like, oh, sign Chris Long to a small contract. Alshon and Jeffrey hit. Like, just the free yeah. acquisitions that offseason, they all hit it once, and that was the run. Nick Foles came back. Like, that was the run. And since then, it has not been the same, and he has never drafted well. Like, it's bad, man. Like, it's really bad. Because, like, even look the last couple years, Andre Dillard does not look good. You drafted Jalen Rager instead of instead of the all-time leading rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson, just a pick later. Uh, man, it looks bad. It looks That's what I'm saying. Really so it's bad. like this guy just keeps staying and sticking around, and, and now he's on to like – I want to say this is his fourth head coach now, and, and it's just like, oh, my good Lord, this is just unbelievable. So that all being said, you know, I don't know what they're going to do here. I think Howie in the building – really makes the job less attractive. And I don't believe a lot of qualified head coaching candidates believe how he will stay out of their business. So therefore I don't think, you know, will somebody, it's like this job we're about to talk about Houston. Will somebody take it? Yes. Somebody will take it because there's only 32 in the world. Right. But 
You got a quarterback that you might not like who's a $100 million quarterback. You got Howie Roseman in the building. You got stuff going on where it basically sounds like the coach wanted to move on from Wentz. The organization said we're going to keep Wentz. So the coach got shown the door. So now the quarterback knows he's got some juice in the locker room. Mm -hmm. This doesn't sound like the environment that a top coaching candidate wants to walk into. It's like, here, give it to me, please. Right. And then they're talking about getting Lincoln Riley or – the Cincinnati coach or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, I don't, I don't see this being a hot, a hot take on the, on the market for any of these uh, coaching candidates right now with that environment. Oh, it's not attractive at all. It's not attractive even slightly, man. Like, and uh, we've heard rumors about like, Hey, is how he's going to take a different position in the organization and, and uh, Dorsey's going to take over. Cause he's like a consultant, like you said, right? Like that's a conversation. Some of the guys that are being that were requested, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator from the Buccaneers, and Robert Salah are both defensive coordinators that were requested. And like you said, Luke Fickle is a guy that's getting his name thrown about. Hey, hey, we're going from group of five football. I don't care that you've done a great job since now. You're going from group of five football to an NFL head coach. That's the jump you're gonna make. And then the other one is Lincoln Riley, which I feel like Lincoln Riley's name gets thrown out all the time, but like because there's a relationship between him and Jeffrey Lurie, apparently. We'll see. I think one thing's for certain. It's not a great situation. I talked to somebody about this the other day, David, that like basically tried to call me an idiot because they were like, oh, because I said something about one of the GM. Like, I, I think it was Detroit. And I was like, oh, you have to be a madman to want Detroit. He was like, well, there's only 32 jobs. I'm like, that doesn't make them good jobs. And like some of these guys are going to get one general manager opportunity. And they're and if they fail, they're never going to get another general manager opportunity again. So you have to pick your spot wisely, man. Like, it's not just like, oh, first opportunity, I need to take it. Like, there's things to consider. There are there, an ownership and leadership is one. Culture in the building is two. Quarterback situation is three. And all those for the Eagles are terrible. So, right. <laughs> so, I'll say that. So Deuce Daly, you're the new head coach. <laughs> Shout, shout out to Jesse Fritch if he's there. Well, yeah, that that is Deuce Daly is a guy that's been uh, – I don't like that potentially either, but that's for another conversation. Jesse Fritch, if you are watching, I know you like to dub me the king of comps. I'm about to make the best comp of the world right now, David. I love comps. I love comparisons. Ready? Howie Roseman is a cockroach because he just wow. laughed. <laughs> we have gone unmuzzled. I've rubbed off on him too much. <laughs> I know Rick Sertel is going to yell at me. Shout out to you, Rick, when you hear this. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I know you love Howie. I'm sorry. I know he's a personal friend of Draft Bible. I apologize, Howie. But man, how many no, you lives don't. do you have? How many lives does he have, David? Like you just said, he's been here since Reed. And what has he done besides for hitting him one off season? What has he done? Yeah, <sighs> and a lot of money. And like I said, he must he must have the pitchers dialed in. So. And people think he's people think he's some type of like cap genius as well. Man, that cap situation is about to smack him square in the face. You can't put off the money forever, my friend. You can't keep writing IOUs. It's gonna come and ask you for your money eventually. So Ooh, that was a long way to respond. And before we get into our next segment, we want to say here again at Maverick Sports Consulting, we are here for to help your organization build the best teams available for them. We consult. Not just sports organizations, but also colleges, private businesses, and organizations that would like an expert in the area of team building. Mavericks is happy to help you build a team around you that will support a strong culture of growth around your idea and products. We would like to put our 19 years of experience of team and culture building 
to use for you and your company today. Don't wait. Sign up today at MaverickSportsConsulting.com. So we, we, we've been teasing this for several minutes here. I want to talk about the Houston Texans. So rumor here has it that they started contract negotiations with Omar Khan from the Steelers to be their general manager. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Nick Casario, who has been named the general manager for the Houston Texans, was on the plane en route to Houston while they were apparently negotiating with Omar Khan. They leaked that the reason that they didn't want to interview Eric Bieniemy also is that he had a bad interview with the Atlanta Falcons. So they didn't even bring him in for an interview because he heard that he had a bad interview. And we have seen the aftermath of this. Deshaun Watson had a, a little bit of a blow-up about the situation. And we are now at the point here where it is like this is dysfunct- this This is basically and another comparison where this is a reality TV show. Because then we saw Andre Johnson tweet out, he said, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texas organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterbay has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in this organization. And for some reason, someone can't see seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. From an all-time great, maybe, you know, argument between J.J. Right. I was going to say, if if J.J. Watt isn't their best player of all time, it's probably Andre Johnson, right? So I'm just looking at this, and I'm just like, man, what is happening? I think we should take this step by step here, okay? Because there's a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. (laughs) And we actually had a question from somebody who's in here. Let me take a look. We had – I can't find it now. Somebody asked, though, how likely it is – that Deshaun Watson is traded because apparently he might be requesting a trade. So that might be something that we need to talk about as well to unpack this information. Sure. Let's start with the general manager. Nick Casario's named. Sounds like they were kind of double dipping and talking to two different guys. I, what, make, make, make sense of that uh, situation for me first, David. And then we'll okay. Go so we'll, yep. tar- we'll start with this part of the shit show and then we'll unpack the rest of the shit show down the line. Okay. Yes. So first part of the shit show from. Inside information, they told Khan he had the job. They were negotiating the contract to get it finalized before they announced it. Easter Bay tells Cesario, get on a plane. You got the job. So Cesario gets on the plane, and they already know the number Cesario wants from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Cesario walks in the door because they're out of the playoffs. So this is the part where it's unfair. So they're out of the playoffs. Cesario yep. walks in the door, and the owner's like, "What's? oh, well, Nick could come in for a personal interview. Isn't that great? He got on the plane all by himself and, and got here just because he wants the job so bad. <laughs> it's how Easter Bay tells the owner what's going on. And so the owner's like, oh, wow, we got this guy, and he wears the rings, and he's got the da-da-da-da. Okay, let's give him the job. And, well, it's going to cost a lot of money to get him the job. It's going to cost him, like, $30 million over five, six years. Well, he's here. We can get him started today. Let's go forward with it. So it's just like, it's just like, good Lord, what is going on here? You know, who do you have running this team? Because it sounds like a Shylark right now. I mean, honestly, it's a complete con man going on right here. He has he's a, he's a minister that has now somehow become a football leader and a business leader. 
and I'm not trying to say they can't be one and the same, but his mm-hmm. avenue to get where he's going is such a short period of time. And the, how he's gotten there, there's no proof of experience that shows me that he's one that has the, he's taken the right avenues to reach right. this plateau, this, this performance area, whatever you want to call it, this level of success that he can do the job. And now you're seeing it from the locker room and from some of the all-time greats in Andre Johnson coming out publicly and calling out the organization for what's going on there. I mean, Andre Johnson's Johnson's really soft-spoken too. Right. So to get him to go out there, man, I think that says something because this isn't just like a loud mouth that's just going to spout off for every little thing. Like Andre Johnson is a very respectful soft-spoken person that you don't really hear from much, even when he played. There were there was times in his in his career that the quarterbacks weren't playing well, and people started asking him about the quarterbacks, and that man did not go out and say negative things about quarterbacks. He didn't throw people under the bus. He just went along with the party line, did his thing. Right. And for him to be the one to come out today and say these harsh words and call out a man by name like you said, it's so far out of character for him yep. that it's just been, it's just amazing to me to, that the ownership is allowing it to get to this level of disrespect. And 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 as we're unpacking this part of it, mm-hmm. if you're Nick Cesario and you're learning that this is going on, maybe you don't know any of this. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, Nick. You don't know what's going on. You were told to get on a plane, job's yours, you show up. But now you're there and you find out they offered the job to somebody else before you walk in the door and that the ownership wanted someone else before you got there. Now, I know you have to make the best of light of the situation because it's your job to, to do. Right. But good God, what's that tell you about your job security and, 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 the, and the organization you just signed a six-year contract to? Right. What what is Jack Easterbay's title, by the way? Uh, I have no. I, I I mean I know I'm I mean fluffer to the owner. I don't know. So <laughs> I mean, but the reality is, if you if you think about this, they gave Brian Gain a five year deal two years ago. He was in there for one year, and they're still paying him to be the GM. Uh, and he's up he's up in Buffalo winning football games. You know, he's shown that he can win no matter where he's at and help a team's win no matter where he's at. And Brian Game is Gain is another name that's not we haven't even mentioned for any of these jobs, but he's a very qualified individual that's waited his turn and he got one year under these these Yahoos and uh, you know, he 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 can't get another sniff at a job. It's ridiculous. And then but again, I'm uh, Nick, here's another part. Turn the chapter on another piece of this crap show. <laughs> Nick, you get to town. You know your quarterback is mad. You know your. Why don't you have a sit down? Say, hey, I just got to town. I'm just learning all this stuff. The wool got pulled over my eyes a little bit here too. I didn't know this stuff was going on. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on. But they come out and they say we're not giving Eric a, a enemy a, a, an interview. Well, then today they say, okay, we'll give Eric enemy an interview. Well, the window to interview Eric Bieniemy closed on Sunday. Now you got to wait till after the Super Bowl or when they lose to interview him. So all these other places interviewed Eric Bieniemy, which you could have done to appease your quarterback, just have an hour interview with him, whatever. And 
you don't do it, and now you put a request slip in to interview a man that most likely is about to win a second Super Bowl, and you're going to have to wait. Otherwise, you hire somebody. In the meantime, you hire somebody, I should say, and you never interview him, which then that sets off your quarterback even more. <laughs> right. Right. And, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the – oh, man. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the head coaching list for the Houston Texans. And you mentioned Eric Bieniemy, which is like a big topic, obviously. Requested. Joe Brady's been interviewed. Jim Caldwell has been interviewed. David Culley. Well, I'm not really sure who that is. No disrespect. I don't. I, I don't. I had to look that one up too. I didn't know who he. Ravens was. assistant head coach, wide receiver coach. I'm sorry, David. I, I don't know who you are. I'm going to look you up though. I promise. Uh, plans. But that was funny to me that they they didn't interview Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator. They interviewed right. David, and then they didn't interview Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. They interviewed David. So that's why I was like, "Who is this David guy?" I had to look him up. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Lewis is also on that list. Tim Kelly, Texans offensive coordinator. Is also on the list, and we talked. I mean, we talked briefly about it, David. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of talk around the B enemy situation. Why he keeps getting passed up for for um, for head coaching opportunities. I can just go by what I hear, you know. And I know everyone just keeps bringing him up, bringing him up. But for this situation, I mean. I don't want to focus too much on the enemy because like, that's just a lot of hearsay. Like, I don't know the actual specifics about like why he's getting passed up. I can just say what I, what I've heard. I'm just looking at this list though. So like, if it's not the enemy, let's say who's the, who's the top candidate here? Like is, I mean, the only guys that they've completed interviews with so far, are Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, and Joe Brady. I like Joe Brady. I think that he might be a guy that maybe you're, you should be a year early on instead of a year too late because I think that he's really going to start to get a little more headway, especially next season as a 32-year-old offensive coordinator in the NFL for his second year compared to being a 31-year-old head coach. But you're trying to turn the page in your organization. And if you're not going a guy like Joe Brady who may bring that young energy, are we going Jim Caldwell retread or Marvin Lewis retread if – the enemy is off the market because you waited too long. Like what? I, I'm just, I'm really struggling with the direction of this Houston Texans franchise right now. Really struggling with it. This again, this is a job when Easter Bay's name got announced that he was going to stay a lot of GM and head coaching candidates said, I'm out. Right. I don't want it. I don't know this guy. What I hear about the guy is not good. I don't want it. I'm out. I'm not taking it. So Trent Krishner, a good GM job, a candidate, took the interview, went down, did the interview in good faith because the search firm – oh, let's talk, talk about this. They paid a search firm over a million dollars to give them the top 10 list of candidates out there, and then they wasted that by going and getting the guy that they tampered with last year. That they, they The New England Patriots filed tampering charges and won the tampering charges against them, and they were going to pay a $750,000 fine for the tampering – but the New England pulled the the charges last minute, so therefore they didn't have to pay the $750,000 fine. But they were found guilty of tampering with the guy, and now they just hired the guy. So it, the fix was in the whole time, and they went and told candidates, obviously, the fix wasn't in. And they interviewed these people in good faith, which wasn't good faith. So therefore, I still think there should be a fine put towards the Houston Texans because they're not interviewing with good faith and good people aren't going there. 
Um, but as far as the head coaching candidate, I don't know uh, who would be a good candidate, honestly, who wants to walk into the mess that's there because you got a disgruntled head coach or disgruntled quarterback. You, you, you have a GM that's we don't know what his situation is, if he has power what or not. We still got a lot of money. And then you got Easter base in there and you got JJ Watt that you got to make a decision on, which I'm hearing JJ Watt would love to get a trade up to Pittsburgh to all, go. All, play, to, all, the, all the Watt brothers. Yeah. get them. That's what they want to do. They want to have the Watt brothers because JJ feels he has another year, maybe two and right. him and his brothers could uh, play in, in uh, Pittsburgh together and he can win a title because now he's not seeing the title as possible down there in uh, Houston as he once did. So JJ wants out, you know, the quarterback wants out, you know, the GM candidates don't want to go there, you know, are, are pissed about what he did to Omar Khan and, and stuff. So who's going to really want to trade and do them favors there. So, you know, it's, it's a situation where, like I said, it's a complete shit show and every turn they're doing it the wrong way. Even this B enemy thing to say, Oh, okay, we'll put a slip in for B enemy. Now when you already know it's too late to interview them because you're not going to wait to, if they win this weekend, you're not going to wait two weeks to hire or three weeks to hire your coach. You're going to have the coach hired before he's available. Yeah. And kind of to end this, this talk of the Houston Texans, we had, we had a question. I can't find who gave us the question. But they asked the likelihood of Deshaun Watson getting traded. Ah, oh, man. Nick and I, well, Nick and I, or Rick and I talked about this on Twitter. Uh-huh. And, and he see, and maybe you and I talked about it too. I don't know, yes. but people see it different than I do. I see the one team that could dis- to trade for Deshaun Watson would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because they have the cap room and they have the first pick overall, they can make it, they can make it, a, 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 an attractive situation to bring Deshaun in. And I know they don't have the rookie contract that's going to be attractive by drafting Trevor Lawrence and right. having that five-year deal and having that extra money to like bring in big names and stuff. But Deshaun himself coming in, I think people would want to play with him. I think the head coach candidate would be excited to work with him. I think it would be a situation where your fan base would get energized. Uh, ticket sales and things would go up very quickly by bringing him in. Sponsorship stuff would go up very quickly by bringing him in. So there's a lot of positives for the organization to bring him in. And you have a lot of draft capital to make the trade. You wouldn't have to give up much more than the first first overall pick for him because you're giving the, you're A, giving the Texans the next best quarterback and B you're taking that heavy contract off their books. So you're freeing up a lot of money for them right there. And so you're getting the first pick. Maybe you give them one of your extra threes. I think they have two threes to get to Sean to make it look sexy for them. And now you bring Deshaun in and you still have a lot of draft capital. I think they have 170 million on the cap or some crap. So okay. that yeah, 40 millions towards Deshaun, but you still have 130 million to go. So you can you can you can put some people around them. I don't hate the fit. I don't hate the situation because, like you said, I mean, if you're training for Deshaun Watson, you're getting a top five quarterback in the league right now who is 25 years old. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not an attractive contract, and you got him on a long term contract. You already got him on a long term deal. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I get that. I'm just so my my struggle there is I don't think it's a bad fit. So I don't think you have a bad idea there. 
You think it's only going to take a one and a three to get them? I feel like even though there's some flexibility there, like I get why you say that it might not be as expensive as you think. I think a 25 year old franchise quarterback might be a top five player in the top five quarterback in the league. It, they're going to try to get a king's ransom for him. Well, here's the thing: Deshaun has a no clause, a no trade clause in his contract. Right, like it's in there, so he has to agree to the trade. Smart man, Good right, job, Deshaun? Yep. So if if Deshaun wants out, and he said I would go to Jacksonville for mm-hmm. that trade, if mm-hmm. you would trade me to Jacksonville, you're going to have all sorts of pressure. To make the trade. So I think Jacksonville has the upper hand for the pressure here and to say, this is all we're giving up because there's not going to be a lot of people. Now he's 25 years old, yep. but he doesn't have the rookie contract anymore. And there's not a lot of teams that want to take on the contract. Now that's going to get paid again. He's going to get paid again. And too. he's going to get paid again. Exactly. Right. So that being said, you got to start looking at the teams that have large cap room to do the trade that have the drop capital. So even though, and again, that's the first pick overall. This isn't, again, some people think this is a quarterback heavy draft. I don't think it is. So if you, if you can get Trevor Lawrence and only give up to Sean Watson, you're getting a younger quarterback, a friendly contract situation, and you're getting rid of a disgruntled quarterback out of your locker room. Now you, you bring in your own guy. That's very talented golden boy to Texas. A lot of marketing dollars. Like this is a win-win where you, you shouldn't overthink it and you shouldn't try to press too much. If you get a one and a three for Deshaun and you say, we're, you know, get him out, go, and then maybe trade JJ up where he wants to go, get him out, go start clean, start fresh and get as much draft cap because again you're looking at a team that doesn't have a first round pick in the next two years they don't have a second round pick this year their first pick this year is like 70 something overall so if you can get a first round pick the first overall pick and another third round pick this year to help you at the texans that's that's a lot of draft capital that you're gaining because in this kind of situation, you don't have uh, much draft capital at all yourself. And we want to move to Ben Howland 12 on Twitter, who asked this question. What is your opinion on ejecting players that have committed targeting? I think this is in response to it. There was a targeting call yesterday in the national championship game. Um, There was also a one in the first round of the playoffs between the Clemson Tigers and the Ohio state Buckeyes or linebacker, James Skowski, who I believe that was the last game of his career was called for targeting, and uh, so the rule is 15 yards, and you're also ejected. So I just want to go with the rule first. Like, it's the rule. I get it. I hate the rule. I hate it. Like, 15 yards, like, that. okay, that's fine. If you're saying it's a personal foul, it is illegal, that's fine. 15 yards, I hate that they throw them out of the game, man. I absolutely hate it, especially the Skalski hit where, like, the guy is low. He is going for, you know, the – He's got he's got a good square position. He dips his head a little bit. That's you know a technical flaw there. But like Fields spins at the last minute, and then that's where like the the helmet contact really happens to the body. I personally hate it, David, because like these are not professional athletes, right? And I know that that doesn't change the safety element of the game. But like fifteen yards personal foul, I think is like that. That's enough, man. Like that that is enough of a punishment for a guy. Like most cases are so bang bang that like yeah you say like oh you need like proper technique but like something's happened so quick these guys are moving so fast 
at such a high pace. Some things are unavoidable at times. And for a guy like Skalski, I'm just thinking about that image in my head. That guy's last football game, he was thrown out of a game for an inadvertent helmet shot that he, I mean, if you look at the replay, man, like I don't think that that was targeting by the sense of the word. By definition, like his helmet was lowered, so like I understand it. But I absolutely hate that these college kids specifically are thrown out of the football game for these targeting calls. I hate it. No, I don't disagree. I mean, when it's bang, bang, like you said, and you know, the referees have all the technology to slow it down and kind of go back through it. It's, it's hard to, to judge these kids in that way. You know, I would like, honest to God, I would like the kid to be tossed out for like a quarter. You know what I mean? That'd like, be fine. That'd go, be fine. go sit on the bench and cool down kid. Realize your mistake and come back in. Now, I also would like a little bit more responsibility by the coaches, you know, that if a kid was like talking a lot of trash and you could see something coming, building, little building, you know, on the field building, pull the kid, sit him, say, hey, knock it off before you get do something stupid. Go sit down and knock it off. We don't see enough of that self-governing happening in sports, especially, you know, in college sports. So therefore, I think that's why the rule has gotten so, so much, uh, attention and done but i do like that they review it i mean they don't just toss the kid and not like review it they, like they review. do review it i like that part but again i would rather than say okay targeting go sit for the quarter if it's the fourth quarter of a game you sit for not only the fourth quarter but the first quarter of the next game you know i think throwing them out of the game especially you know, they're, when it's bang-bang plays like the Clemson situation, I really don't feel that kid meant to drop his helmet. I think he was, you know, it was just a, a weird sliding situation that when he hit him, the crown, and he wears that cowboy collar that Which locks hard. in. The, it's hard. It, yeah, hard. it's hard not to drop the head when you got the cowboy collar on, protecting yep. his neck. It's just hard. So, you know, last night in the national championship game, when uh, the 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 – Alabama kid came in and lit up the tight end. He dropped the crown. He dropped the crown. Right. And I, I, I mean, you could have went through the hands. I get it, but your crown came down. So I, I totally understood that. I totally got it. It, it was terrible for Alabama because you, you looked at the kid's face. He didn't look like he meant to. It just happened. And, and that's why you could go sit for a quarter, come back in the next quarter. If nothing happens the rest of the game, you're fine. If anything else happens the rest of the game, you're out, you're done, you know, and maybe even at that point, if you get two and you're out in one game, you're out the next game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you can't control your emotions, then you, you then you're out. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think, I think a teaching moment, right? Like I want a teaching moment. I don't want to just like, the, like that kid's career is over. Like, what did he learn from that? He just learned that right. like that's that in a second football can be taken from me because he's a middling prospect. Like he might not make it. So that might've been, Literally his last football game. It's possible. It, absolutely he, possible. he got kicked off the same field twice for targeting. Right. Right. Absolutely. So um, we have a bunch of questions. We're only going to get through a couple more because we're already over time because that's just who we are. So why don't we, <laughs> why don't we just roll with it at this point? Right. So a uh, couple questions. We talked about this one a few weeks ago. This is from Jack Despo asking about the quarterback situation for the Eagles. So we already talked about that one. I know David wants to see Jalen Hurts for a year. I think it's either going to be – Hey, if Doug Peterson's out, maybe Carson Wentz is the guy for another year. Maybe not, but I would rather them. Hey, I, I don't think that you quote unquote tanked to move up three spots to not take a quarterback. 
That's my general opinion. I think that they're going to take a quarterback at six. That's just what I believe. So next question we have. Yeah, I don't see that. If they fired the coach today because they fired the coach because the coach didn't want wins. Right. I mean, so how are they, how, I mean, given if, if you don't want wins, I mean, maybe, maybe he's saying he doesn't want to draft another quarterback. He wants hurts. Like, I don't, I, again, I don't think Howie and the team over there puts together a great plan on how to build the team. Somebody it, asked me today this question. I said yeah. the same thing. I don't think Howie plans free agency and the draft to complement each other and put a plan together in place, knowing the draft class prior to free agency to know where you're attacking. So then in free agency, you can fill those holes and then go execute the draft plan once you get in the draft room. Like he doesn't do that. And therefore, it's, it always hurts him in his draft selections and stuff. So for me, I go with Hurts. Uh, Wentz, maybe, but I don't draft there. I try to build a team around whoever my quarterback's already on the roster. We have Jack, Des- Jack Despo who just said, sounds like Howie is bad. Yes, Jack. If there's anything you got out of this tonight, it's that Howie is bad at his job. Um, and Jack, yeah. thanks for sticking with us for an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, we still got seven people in here. That's great. Oh, uh, there we I'm go, everybody. We haven't lulled you to sleep yet. Perfect. <laughs> I, I would just like to say before we move on there, if if the whole reason I, I'm not buying that the whole thing is like oh Doug Doug didn't want Carson I'm just not buying that I'm just not buying it six six for taking a quarterback Trey Lance by the way so not even happening at six there's, keep going there it is um here's a good question I, I think we talked about this one as well before Tyler Makins asked what open head coaching job would you be most interested in he listed them for us Lions the Falcons the Texans the Jets the Jaguars the Eagles the Chargers I would be most interested in the Jaguars. I think that they have a, lo- a solid building, a couple solid building blocks. I think that they have a lot of cap um, opportunities. They have a lot of draft capital, and they have a potential of getting Trevor Lawrence. So, I would like to be there. No, I agree. I think this the the best pick right now is Jacksonville, but then I would surprise second pick because my second pick would be Detroit because in Detroit you have a quarterback that's going to be there for two to three more years. He's a proven product, and you can build around him. Okay, and maybe two more questions. Let's just go up the list. I know we got a lot. Like, this was so much. Maybe we'll knock out a couple easy ones. Uh, Ryan Searfoss asks, what position will have the most prospects go in the first two days of the draft? I think that – so, Ryan, we actually did a – we actually did, like, a draft um, breakdown of a study that David did, and I believe if that holds true, what would it be, offensive line, David, or defensive line, one of the lines? No, defensive line. Defensive line. So defensive line by the numbers. So let's just go with the let's just go with the field on that one. We'll say that that is the most reasonable explanation because defensive line, then defensive backs, and then we get into receivers, and and then yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, Lorenz asked about the Eagles' head coaching position. We already talked. Lorenz, love you. Shout out to Lorenz. Last question of the night, because I want to throw this one out here. A little scouting tidbit for you, David. A little scouting tidbit. He's setting me up. I feel it. No, you're not. No, no, no. I don't even know if you know the kid. Zach Patrell asks, what type of offense does Davis Mills best fit into? So I want to describe Davis Mills to you, David, because I just did film study on the Stanford quarterback who had just declared for the draft. And I have a hot take for you. Let me know when you want the hot take, though. I'll, I'll save the hot take for now. Okay. So Davis Mills, Stanford quarterback. 6032, I think is his listed height. 6031, 220 pounds, projected 477 in the 40. 
So this is an interesting kid. Was a four, five-star recruit somewhere in that ballpark. Was a young kid. Sat behind KJ Costello for a couple years, who was the transfer quarterback at Mississippi State. He um, KJ got hurt in 2019, and Davis Mills got his opportunity, and he shined. He had a lot of success. Actually, a pretty high percentage thrower, even though Stanford has a pretty vertical-based offense now. Used to be that, hey, we're going to play a ton of 12 and 13 personnel, and we're going to bully us, some 22 personnel. Like That is what we're working with, a fullback at times. Stanford is kind of more of a spread offense now. And so they run a lot of vertical, a lot of vertical aspects to their passing attack. And Davis Mills excels, throws a high percentage. This year, in an abbreviated season, another great success. Completes like 66% of his passes. Really nice season for what it was, the abbreviated year. So out of nowhere, Davis Mills declares for the draft. And it took me off guard because I had liked him last summer going into the season. I thought he was going to be a 2022 guy. All of a sudden, he's throwing his hat in the 2021 group. So I think he had some solid feedback from the NFL. And I will say, David, I like him a ton. I like him a lot. Like I, I think he's, I think he's got solid building blocks. Strong arm, can throw with touch and accuracy outside the numbers. He has some back shoulder work that is phenomenal. Sneaky athlete, like he has some elusiveness. He's not a guy that's ever going to look to run a ton. But he can extend a little bit. He can get outside of structure, and he can pick up a couple first downs. Pretty tough kid in the pocket. Actually, I would, I would classify him as fearless in the pocket. So I like him a ton. So the question is, what does he fit? I think he fit anything. I think he's accurate. I think that he can play in a West Coast-based system that is going to, you know, a lot of intermediate crossers, a lot of short, you know, uh, play-action passes, hitting the flat, you know, spider two-wide banana, all that good stuff. <laughs> but I also think vertical passing system, like I've seen him do it. I think he could fit it. And here's the, here's the take that we're going to, I guess, end the night on, David. I would rather work with Davis Mills than I would rather work with Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. That's it. That's the take. Well, you heard it from him. Uh, when If you want to know what it's really all about, Ryan and I will be posting soon our film breakdowns. Well, you can watch him and I watch the top five candidates, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, live on the new a draft Bible Twitch account. So you will yeah. be able to go inside the film room with two NFL scouts look, watching and going back and forth. I'll be teaching Ryan all the ins and outs on how to scout, seeing that he gets it wrong week in and week out. So don't forget to sign up for NFL Draft Bible's new draft breakdown show, which will be out soon with Ryan and myself going inside the draft room. That was a great ending to this show. And if you would like to just watch David break down some weak arm quarterbacks that he thinks are so good, like Kyle Trask, make sure to, to follow along with that Twitch channel. Like David said, we would like to thank everybody again, all the mailbag participants for the night. Sorry we didn't get to everyone. Maybe we'll try to hit on some next week. We had so many questions. It was awesome response. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm at Rise and Draft on Twitter. David is at Mav underscore sports. Uh, huge announcements coming, huge opportunities, huge products we're putting out here in our in our um, partnership here, Map Scores and NFO Draft Bible. We thank you all so much again. We will see you live next week, same time, same place. Hope everybody has a great week, and we will talk again very soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. 
Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.